This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl, and my guest this week is Ibrahim Haider. He is the VP of Consumer Support at Michael Coors. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. Hey, Nick. Uh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to join. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to have you join too. And one thing that I ask every single guest is, what's one thing that people might not know about you? Um, you know, my life is basically an, an open book. But I think uh, for those people that don't really know me or don't follow me on Insta or one of the social um, media channels is, um, I've always had a great love for music, specifically dance music, right? So uh, something the listeners may not know about me is that I'm a DJ. So I have my my decks and speakers set up in the basement. You know, I'm always listening to new music and trying to curate tracks for a new set. Because every couple of months, you know, when things get a bit crazy at work and I need a break or a distraction, uh, I find myself putting together either a 60 or 90 minute uh, dance music set. I put the set, I create the set, I, I finalize it, I, 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 I publish it on SoundCloud and I have my own YouTube channel. So if anybody's interested, they can go and find me on SoundCloud or YouTube. Uh, it's, it's, I, I warn you, it's not commercial pop or hip hop or rap, it's more dance. Uh, good energy, good for a workout or run or jog. So yeah, that's something that I think your listeners may be surprised to hear. Yeah, that's actually very unique. What is for the people that actually do want to learn more about this dance music? How do they find you? What's the what's the name on SoundCloud or any? Sure. <laughs> it's actually um, on, on SoundCloud. It's DJ, the latest DJ and then Ibster, E-B-S-T-E-R. I'll repeat that. So it's Delta, Julia, Echo Bravo, Sierra Tango, Echo Romeo, DJ Ibster, um, both on SoundCloud and on YouTube. That's very cool. I, I had to at least throw that out there because you you said anybody that needs to find me uh, can find me here. And I was like, wait a second, somebody, there's going to be <laughs> going to be a few people that are going to be like, wait, is that, what is that name? Well, well you know, I didn't want to beat self-promoting too much. So I'm glad you prompted that question. Even though I had it written down to mention it, I thought, oh, let's wait. Hopefully Nick mentions it. Then I can plug it. <laughs> well, well then. So for the five people who don't know about Michael Coors, uh, can you tell me a little bit about who you guys are and maybe a little bit about your role? Sure. So, so Michael Kors, and I'm talking about Michael Kors, the man, not the brand, right? Um, he's a world-renowned award-winning designer of luxury accessories and ready-to-wear clothing. Um, and his namesake company uh, was established in 1981. People might not realize it's been that long. Uh, and, and, and as an organization or brand, we produce a range including accessories, footwear, watches, jewelry, uh, men's and women's ready-to-wear, even eyewear and fragrance products. Um, and, you know, my role with, within Michael Kors is I'm the Vice President of Customer Service for North America. Um, my role itself is actually bifurcated 
between supporting our B2C online channel via the call center and we support the US and Canada in English and French. Um, I also manage a, a fairly large team that provides customer service to our wholesale customers, uh, kind of like our B2B channel, um, our wholesale and our brick and mortar company owned stores. So uh, the extent of my role is to support those two significant channels. Interesting. One of the conversations that we had before we got started or, or throughout uh, 2020 is you talked about the importance of operational excellence. Mm -hmm. So tell me more about why and how you establish those standards. So Michael Kors's brick and mortar stores, right, uh, are well known for delivering really great customer service experiences. Um, and that just didn't happen overnight. You know, they, our retail team and our learning development teams spent many years uh, refining the service culture and service experience. Uh, so my goal when I started the call center back in 2014 uh, was to remain true to that brand experience. Uh, and, we, and we consider ourselves, and you'll see this as a tagline in all our new hire presentations and our onboarding, we really consider ourselves extension of that retail store experience, right? And, and, and the goal was for me to bring that retail store into the call center. Um, so we were able to achieve this uh, uh, by creating an immersive environment where our outsourced call center agents feel like they're part of the brand. Um, we, we said, okay, how do we do this, right? The first thing we wanted to make sure is how do we create a look in the call center that replicates the stores. And if you've been into our stores, you know, it's bright, it's got great lighting, it's got showroom, um, it's got mannequins, et cetera. So we, 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 we replicated that in our call center. So we have showroom, we have products on display. We have several TVs constantly uh, playing our most recent um, runway shows, lots of vinyl uh, branding and, and decals on the wall with some of Michael's favorite uh, quotes. So that, that took care of the look aspect of the call center, right? We also wanted to replicate the sound of the stores in the call center. So what we did was we went to great extent to find a professional voice talent to use, to record all our IVR messages. You know, the voice talent had to audition with several other talented artists uh, and we gave them a script and they had to read the script and they were said, hey, can you say this maybe a little faster, a little slower, a little sexier, maybe more illegal, maybe more uptown. So we wanted to see um, the diversity in the voice talent. So we made sure we get the correct voice talent. She had to have a very specific sound, cadence and way of saying things. And then also as it relates to creating the sound in the call center, all our hold music uh, is actually from the same playlist that pumps into our stores. So, you know, the customer have to be in the store and they just need to call us in the call center and they go on hold. There's a very good possibility that they'll hear the same sound, hmm. right? Um, we, what we've also done is um, we actually have speakers in the ceilings that streams the same playlist as the stores. So we have, and it's very unusual for call centers to have background music, but we, we do have that. So we have audio coming through the through the through speakers, and we have that similar uh, playlist for customers calling us on hold. And, and then finally, you know, to, to create this immersive environment and replicate the uh, the store experience, we focused on the people, right? We needed to recruit the right talent 
and put them through extensive product knowledge and brand training in addition to systems and processes. Um, and then we, we retain the, ta the talent by offering them, you know, a few items of clothing a year. Uh, um, generally, these are hourly paid uh, employees, so they, they may not have the financial wherewithal to buy some of our products. Uh, we also give them an online discount and lots of um, incentives and recognition through various programs we have. So that was our goal uh, to create this in-store experience in the call center and make sure that once we hire the team members, we keep them. I love all the attention to detail. Mm -hmm. Just the, the small things you do from the music, from the call center or the IVR to the in-store, like that's, that's small things, but it'll make a big difference because it's, it's creating so, the same experience across the brand. Right. So there's one, the, the, and I'm, and I'm going to talk about pre COVID now because, you know, COVID uh, disrupted a lot of our operations, but pre COVID. And since we started in 2014, I was fortunate enough to recruit and hire a Michael Kors retail store manager, a former store manager to work in our call center as a brand ambassador. So she had her own office. She was responsible for uh, ensuring the showroom is stocked with the current floor sets, making sure that the mannequins have current product and um, also ensuring that our style, we call our agents style consultants, mm -hmm. that our style consultants, you know, are, are properly trained on new products and the brand, et cetera. And she was integral in participating in our calibration sessions because we wanted to hear if our style consultants are saying the right thing and using the brand voice appropriately. So if, if any brands out there who, who's listening to this podcast never thought about this, uh, hiring someone from the brand, embedding them in the call center as a ambassador for the brand is a good way to make sure that the call center is representing the products and the customers appropriately. That's really cool. I've, I've seen organizations kind of force their, their brick and mortar people since COVID back into the call mm -hmm. center. So because they didn't have a, a role mm -hmm. at, in, in their location, but I've never seen it as somebody who was there and saying, Hey, I see an opportunity to grow the brand and grow the experience to provide a better situation for the customer. Right. And, and this, this individual also had great experience, you know, with the product. So, so she would use the proper technical terms when describing, you know, the drop of a handbag handle or the amount of zipper pockets of the different fabrics. And that knowledge just got absorbed into the call center by the rest of the team. So with operational excellence, I, I get that. Do you also focus on customer experience? Oh yeah, of course. You know, it, for, for for us, it's all about the customer experience. Um, you know, not many of today's tech savvy consumers really want to contact a call center, you know, or speak to a human when they can self serve or find the information online or by themselves. I'm certainly one of those type of of, of customers, right? However, when they do call, we want to make sure that the contact is memorable and on par with the uh, great service they can get in our stores. Um, you know, we also try to remove any obstacles or customer effort throughout the customer journey. Um, we've been fortunate to leverage some technology to help us with this. And, 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 and about not too long ago, I did some research, you know, as to what our customers really want. 
And it turns out they want things to be fast. We should make it easy for them. And we should add some type of view to their, to their lives uh, when they contact us. So, so, you know, we've captured all of that and, uh, and I feel like we've done a good job in meeting those, those uh, customer experience expectations. It, it sounds like it does with, with Michael Kors being a luxury brand, mm -hmm. how do you go about creating customer loyalty? Um, well, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, it helps if you, if you work for a living, breathing American, right? Right. So, so we depend a lot on, on Michael and, and his, 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 his brand recognition. Um, uh, and, and actually during, during COVID, uh, he, he had a pretty strong social media presence, uh, you know, inviting people into his home and giving tips on, you know, how to dress for Zoom, et cetera. So we depend a lot on, on Michael to build customer loyalty. But, but in the call center, we focus on clienteling, right, um, which is different than selling. Uh, we, we want to ensure that we always build a relationship with our customers. Um, for example, in the stores, our store associates can always pick up the phone and call their customers and invite them back to the store for a special promotion or, you know, even just to call them and say, hey, happy birthday. Uh, in the call center, we don't have that ability, right? Um, so we do everything we can to make the contact memorable. You know, we, we try to keep the conversation very casual as if you're speaking to a close friend. Um, we ask lifestyle questions because we don't want to just offer something because it's the most, you know, uh, the product of the week, for example. We want to make sure that we tailor the, the, the product based on, on, the, on the customer's needs and we always provide product recommendations. Uh, in addition to that, uh, Michael Kors has a great loyalty program. So we always ask the customer if they are part of our loyalty program. If not, uh, we know we give them a summary of the benefits. It's a free program. And if anything, you know, they can get free shipping for signing up, et cetera. So we always try to, that's the value add part of the conversation. Um, and then sometimes, you know, customers will call us for a specific product or a specific need. And we don't, we don't necessarily know the answer. Then we'll do, you know, warm transfer to a store that's closest to the customer. We'll call the retail store and say, hey, you know, I've got Nick on the line. You know, he's looking for something for his wife or his mom. Um, can you try and, try and possibly help him? So we do a warm transfer. We try to keep the customer in the brand ecosystem. Um, and, and, and I think it, it build, helps build a good relationship between the call center and the stores as well. All those things that you mentioned, as a consumer, at the end of the day, like you said, you talk about fast and easy and, and effortless. I also want to feel known and valued as a consumer. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. having that warm transfer, instead of just saying, hey, here's the here's a local Michael Coors location in Columbus, uh, you know, feel free to call in between eight and five or whatever the business hours are. That doesn't make me feel known or valued. But that mm -hmm. warm transfer and maybe with context saying, hey, let me tell this the store location, what the situation is, make that introduction. And now they have information where they know that you're calling and the information behind it. So that's just, again, those small things that you're doing is is providing an, a huge difference. Right. And, and, and for me as well. Right. And, and my call center team knows is we constantly want to not only build and maintain the relationship with the customer, but we want the stores to know that we've got their back as well. 
right? We want the stores to know we'll just, we'll never send the customer their way if it's just a complaint uh, because we'll try and resolve it ourselves. And at the same time, if we have an opportunity to send possible business their way or a customer that may be a lifelong, you know, future customer, we'll certainly hand it over to them and let them, uh, you know, carry the, the torch from us. So we talked a decent amount about operational excellence, but how do you take these standards of operational excellence and run them parallel to business outcomes? <laughs> yeah, you know, yes, that's a good question. You know, I, I would say our, our reason for being in the call center is to not only service our customers and make them happy, but, you know, be a contributing business operation, right? So absolutely, we, we want to drive and generate sales. But at the same time, you know, we want to keep our costs down as well, but obviously not to the detriment of the service. There's two ways of looking at this, right? From a sales perspective, we work very hard to generate incremental sales and ensure that we are a self-funded, profitable call center operation. So everything we do is to is to drive sales, but in a way that builds relationship, right? I come back to the term clienteling. We don't hard sell. Um, and we spent a lot of time identifying opportunities uh, to increase our conversion rate in the call center. And we're doing this all without hurting our CSAT scores. The other, the other side of this is, you know, you're driving sales, but also keeping our costs down. Um, you know, we've developed some, some technology or, uh, to help keep our costs down. Um, you may have heard of the term WISMO. Yep, for those uh, listeners that don't know, Wismo is is the bane of my existence. To be honest with you, <laughs> it's uh, it's an uh, abbreviation for uh, "Where is my order?" So we have a lot of <laughs> of Wismo calls that come into our call center, you know, um, and depending on if we're running a promotion or not, it could be anything from twenty to forty five percent of our calls. And that's really, you know, unproductive calls that I have highly skilled style consultants answering. So we, we, we figured out a way to allow customers to self-serve and get the answers they need without necessarily speaking to an agent. And if they do want to speak to a style consultant, then they can opt so. But uh, we've implemented IVR automation where customers can speak their order number into the system. And if there's if it recognizes the order number, it says, hey, congratulations, Nick. Um, your order is on its way and it actually mentions the items in your order and it asks you if you want the tracking number as well. So, you know, over the uh, peaks, we've had great success with the uh, application. We probably had close to about a thousand calls the self-service uh, platform. Uh, from a cost perspective, it probably saved us about, you know, three to four FTE just through this uh, self-serve automated process, right? So that's one way of keeping our costs down. Um, we've also late last year implemented some CTI capability, uh, computer telephony integration, where uh, if a customer is calling and we recognize the phone number, um, we serve up a screen pop for the style consultant that has the customer's name, the email address, phone number, and the most recent item they purchased. Um, previously, uh, the have to go through a series of questions to get all that info. Now we serve it up. Um, not as that saved us about, well, precisely about a hundred, <laughs> precisely about uh, about a hundred and, and and twenty-three total time. That's pretty substantial. Um, 
but there's been other bits which we never really thought about, right? When we canvassed our, our style consultants, um, some of the things they came back with what's uh, uh, about this feature is it says, you know, it's helping get the job done because when the screen pop doesn't populate, you know for a fact that this is a new customer who may not have purchased before. So you tailor your pitch and your script accordingly, right? Another, another style consultant said it's a great uh, for customers who forgot or misplaced the order number because our order number starts two to three letters and several numbers. So it's not something that, you know, just rolls off the tongue easily. And you probably, if you don't know it, it it's hard to remember. So, so that's been a great way for us to, you know, make sure that our, um, plan to 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 not only service the customer meets the business need, needs by driving incremental sales and keeping our costs down. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. I think it's so important to to drive sales, keep costs down, but also the the other two things that are just as important is how am I providing that experience? The 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 where's my order, the Wismo, also Wismo, because yeah. you're you're trying to find a better experience for your customers, and they're just trying to get their stuff solved. But mm -hmm. on the other side of that phone or that interaction is that employee who doesn't enjoy the Wismos. The oh my gosh, I just have to. Uh, figure this out and and uh, they rather be the skilled style consultant and help them understand what they're really trying to go through and help them design the right fit or product that's for them instead of saying oh here's your order let me let me let me let me figure that out so I, I think exactly yeah exactly i mean i i remember when when whenever i do my my regular call center visits right one of the main things that i tell my team that travels with me is we have to spend time on the phones, right? So between me and, and my senior sales manager, we get on the phones and we have a competition. We actually sit right in between all the style consultants and we say, okay, you know what? I've got to walk my talk here. I'm always talking about sales and how you clientele. So I get on the phones and I do my thing. But it's frustrating when every call is like, hey, I'm calling to track my order, right? So, so as a style consultant, energized by the opportunity either to sell a product or to put together an outfit and accessorize it or talk about some of the new materials or the new designs, not so much when it's a Wismo call, to be honest with you. So, right, it, it helps actually with the morale of the, of the agents as well. So, yeah, good point. Yeah, and it might have an indirect um, consequence of retention because they don't want to deal with yep. those mundane yep. tasks. Exactly. Yes, you're right. So you talked about a little bit around how you, you have this, this cost center, what everybody calls a cost center, mm -hmm. but you've been, mm -hmm. been able to not just 
you've been able to find ways to drive efficiencies inside the call center and having it be a self-funded profit center. And you did that within the first 12 months of starting up the contact center. Can you, can you explain a little bit about that? Cause I'm sure there's a ton of ears that are all, all listening on how to figure out this. <laughs> yes. So, so it was a combination of uh, having a great outsource partner that we worked with. Um, you know, when we started our calls into operation, we were a hundred percent onshore, right? And we were onshore in, in the downtown district of a major US. So, so as you can imagine, yes, big bucks, <laughs> not cheap. Um, and, 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 through a great partnership, we were able to shift our contacts um, to a nation um, that that allowed us to you know save money, uh, but actually still keep much more stuff than than if we had to uh, remain uh, in on U.S. mainland, right? So we moved a lot of volume near shore, um, and we chose a near shore location versus a a a a. a a offshore location because we, we, we're very protective of our brand, right? Um, our brand has, a, has its own personality and its own style. Um, and, and we wanted to make sure that we choose a geographic location where the style consultants are familiar with the brand. They're familiar with US geography, with US customs, dialect, vernacular. This just makes it an easier conversation when our style consultants interact with customers because there's that inherent familiarity of what the customer is experiencing, right? Um, when we started, we were also 24-7. And we looked at the amount of calls that are coming in after 1 a.m., between 1 a.m. and 8 a.m. Eastern. And it was such a nominal amount, but yet we had to staff not only style consultants, but also leadership. Uh, so we, we reduced our hours. Um, then at the same time, we equipped our style consultants with the skills to generate these sales. We have a really comprehensive uh, Michael Kors uh, training program that they go through that, that helps them uh, to drive sales. And they reinforce those critical elements of the sale by including it in our call monitoring and QA4. So when we do calibrations or when the quality assurance uh, team listens to calls, they make sure that the style consultants, when they're on the sales call, they are following the, 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 the recommended procedure. Um, we monitor sales conversion religiously every day. That's one of our key metrics on our scorecard. Um, and it's interesting though, you know, because when we're not making our sales and our conversion rate is down, then we read to what could be driving that. Um, but, but also, you know, we may have made, um, we may have uh, been achieving our conversion rate, but missing our sales goal. And when we look deeper into that, you know, the, the first thing that we, that we might notice is that our team is doing exactly what they're supposed to do on the phones. But, you know, we, we happen to be running a promotion which decreases our average order value. So they're selling, they're selling, but they're selling it at a lower value. So, you know, for any leader, I think they need to be very attuned to what's happening in the operation, but also, you know, take some bold steps and, 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 and make some decisions to, you know, maybe shift to a different or cheaper location or reduce your hours. Because, you know, I, I don't see a lot of people uh, laying in bed at 3 a.m. in the morning shopping for expensive handbags, even though, we, uh, and if they do so, we'd, we'd hope that they, conclude transaction online and not call us. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I definitely don't sit in bed and and try to purchase a handbag at three a.m. That's not not something I'm I'm interested in. Uh, so maybe maybe another time. But you mentioned one of the metrics that you measure is conversion. But one of the big metrics of measuring a contact center success is the first call resolution. So how do you at Michael Coors measure first contact resolution, and what's your success rate? So, so we've been measuring FCR since we started, right? It's so, so generally surveys, after call surveys, I, I, I like, but it has to, to not be something that's going to be so consuming for the caller to complete that they just don't want to do it. Right. So, so we have a six question survey, five questions about the satisfaction with the interaction with the style consultant. So purely about the style consultant and the sixth question is FCR. So, so yeah, you know, we, we do measure FCR and when customers voluntarily participate in a survey, um, you know, over the years, we've been able to, to uh, increase our FCR to an average of a, just over 90%, 9-0. But here's the interesting thing, right? Um, we actually have two phone interaction types where we measure FCR. Uh, we have our sales and sa sales and Wismo line, and then we have our warranty or post-sales type support line. Um, you know, and on the warranty line, when customers are calling us, they're dissatisfied because their product didn't meet their expectation. Um, so generally, customers are not very happy on the warranty line, but we can to make them happy, right? So uh, the FCR on the warranty line hovers on the, the mid to high 80% mark, but on the sales line, it's in the low 90s. So when you get the blended averages about 90s, right? Um, for us, increasing first uh, contact resolution was a big initiative. I mean, besides the, the financial impact of having less unproductive calls, um, we also increase CSAT, right? Um, and we were able to do this. Uh, we, we had a 12 month long project focused on increasing FCR. We started the beginning of our fiscal year and we ended at the end of our fiscal year. And we did this by employing a strategy management methodology called the four disciplines of execution, uh, also known as 4DX, 4Delta X-ray. Um, it's a Franklin Covey methodology that uh, leaders and businesses used to build roadmaps to achieve their critical goals. And for, for the, uh, the listeners that are listening in, Nick is nodding his head. Do you know about 4DX, Nick? Uh, yeah, I'm very aware it? of 4DX, yeah. It's interesting okay, so that you're you... taking that and putting it into FCR, though. Oh, yeah, I, I've applied it to FCR. I've applied to to reducing handle time. I've applied it to increasing QA calibration scores. Um, and and we'd, we'd, we would run one... Um, one of these uh, initiatives a year for a fiscal year. So we have ample time. So, and, and, and if you're okay, I, I, do you mind if I briefly tell your listeners the four Please. disciplines of execution? Go ahead. Okay, so it's, it's fairly s simplistic and easy to follow. It consists of four dins. The first one is uh, called focus on the WIG, the W-I-G, which is just an abbreviation for the wildly important goal. Find that one singular that you wanna focus on and make that your strategy for the year. So you need to define that goal, right? Just focus on the one thing because what you don't want to do is get caught in what is called the whirlwind, all the other things that are happening around you on a daily basis that can distract you. So define your wig, 
right? Discipline two is act on the leaders. So whatever the outcome is you're trying to achieve, what are the two or three lead measures or, or metrics that you can measure that if you improve will result in you achieving your goal, right? So just act on the lead measure. Discipline three is the fun part, which is, you know, keep a compelling scoreboard. So have a scoreboard, have your team come up with a scoreboard, you know, in bold, post your wig on there, and then you have a chart for your, your lead measures, but it's a great way to keep track of your progress uh, over, the, uh, over, the, over the weeks and months. Um, and the final one is create a cadence of accountability. I love this one. This is really just a weekly touch base with all the team members on the project where everybody takes two to three minutes to talk about one commitment or action they're going to take in the coming week and if they've achieved their commitment they've set for the for the current week um and and it it, it really you know bottles it down to just everybody taking one act that they can commit to and completing it and driving and driving and driving and and this is the approach we took to increasing fcr i think for the 12 um, month period the collective team completed 147 individual tasks or actions which got us to to our fcr which we've been maintaining for a couple of years now i know that's a long-winded thing but the gist of it is you know if you haven't heard about it explore four disciplines of execution it's a great great tool the the reason why why i love it for one because it worked but for two that everybody had their own marching orders you had this this wig this you know the wildly important goal and everybody had their marching orders every week and it's saying are you on track or off track and my guess is if somebody was off track you're saying okay how can i help you get back on track right yes but, um in, in, yeah. in fact there's a term for that nick if you remember i think me as uh, let's call it the, the 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 lead or the the project sponsor my role was to smooth the path, right? I think that's the term they use. You know, I, I need to in, make it possible for my team members to achieve their goals by removing any obstacles in their way. And, and a lot of those obstacles are just like you said, the whirlwind, the, the super mm -hmm. busy things that are around us that are really not that important. Exactly. So if we can stay focused on that goal, I love the importance of, of keeping each other accountable and then helping them rate that on, on track or off track. And, and that creates momentum when you have these small wins that it creates the, those momentums for success. So uh, congrats yep. to you. That's really, really awesome. The, yeah, thank you. Two questions I ask everybody at the end of every podcast is, first one is what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year? And then the second one is if you could leave a note to all the customer service professionals and hit, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m. What would it say? <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. Let me think about this. So, so, you know, the, the pandemic, I'm a, I'm an avid reader. I, I love reading. Um, but, uh, with, with, with two kids running around and, you know, uh, a DJ gig in my basement. I don't find a lot of time to read. So what I've actually done is, um, I, I, I had a, I had a lengthy commute to and from work. So I would actually do a lot of audio books, right? I would probably go through like, you know, 
four audiobooks a month. Um, but during during COVID, I, I I was at home and I had time to read, and I was actually reading a book, and it's called Pushing Boulders. Pushing Boulders by an author called Ethel Williams. A T H O L Ethel Williams. And I'll tell you a little bit about this book. Um, you know, it tells the, the really extraordinary story of a Cape Town-born man, um, Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, he was born in an old police station during the middle of the apartheid era. And then he struggles to overcome immense political and social odds to become the first, one of the first people to ever graduate with a master's degree from five of the world's top universities, including Harvard, MIT, and Oxford, right? And at the height of his uh, successful international business career, um, at the age of 40, he, he foregoes all his wealth and status to use uh, education and sells actually Lamborghinis, Rolls Royce, all these fans to pursue a mission uh, to use education to enable and inspire others to thrive, right? So, so, so Pushing Boulders is a story about how you can pursue your dreams. It shows that with a little bit of self-belief and resilience, you can push aside the boulders that block your path to success. Um, a little disclaimer here, though, is that um, the author, Athel Williams, I actually know him. He was a year ahead of me in high school. Um, we used to play baseball together. Um, I, I remember when he graduated um, a year ahead of me in high school, he, he went to, uh, he was the one of the first, you know, um, people of color to attend a all-white university graduate with his master's. And the book details some of the challenges that, that he faced as a person of color uh, coming into the business world. So highly recommended Pushing Boulders by Athel. I think it's actually on Amazon as a, uh, a Kindle read. And I think it could be like, I think it could be free actually. I don't know, but Pushing Boulders highly recommended. Um, you know, your second question, if I could leave a note to all customer service professionals, what would I say? You know, th there's so much that I can think of, but I think that I will distill it down to this. You know, our roles as uh, CX leaders are, are really thankless roles, right? It's not like we are getting lots of emails every day and texts and social media posting, thanking us for, for seeing issues and preventing them before they even happened, right? Um, so, so, you know, we work tirelessly behind the scenes to prevent these issues from ever seeing the light of day. Uh, so I'd like to take this opportunity to give a huge thank you, shout out to everybody working in customer service, right? Uh, I appreciate all that you do. Thank you for all that you've done in elevating the service experience. You know, unfortunately, our jobs are never done. So we must keep pushing that boulder and continuously trying to improve the customer service ex experience in whatever way possible. That is some great advice. What is the best way for people, for my listeners to connect with you? Oh, uh, so uh, through, through LinkedIn, through LinkedIn, that would be good. the best way. And you know, I, I don't, I'm sure there's some people out there like me, but I do not like to see that little red badge dot on my iPhone that says I've got an unanswered message. <laughs> so, so rest assured, if your if your listeners are gonna hit me up through LinkedIn or whatever media platform, um, I, I I make it my duty to respond very quickly. And so feel free, he, and I'm glad to connect and and brainstorm or share ideas. Yeah, he is all about the service from from connecting with people, answering his messages, uh, DJ EB, uh, all, all the way through. <laughs> he, he is a customer service. Uh, uh, 
a professional and, and personal legend. So connect with this guy. Uh, I really appreciate your time. It's been really fun to, to learn more about what you guys are doing from the metrics uh, to the success that you're having at Michael Kors. So thank you so much again and, and uh, wish you the most success. Oh, and thank you, Nick, for having me. I feel very honored. And again, if any of your listeners want to connect with me, happy to chat. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.